Welcome to the Cadet Coffee and Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Collison. On this podcast, I sit down and talk with different teachers and staff members at Iowa Falls Alden High School to find out a little bit more about who they are and why they love to teach. On this week's episode, I sat down with high school social studies teacher Cody Moses and talked with him about finding his passion for teaching after developing a love for psychology. We also talked about his golf game, uh, his strong golf game, I guess you could say, and his definitive Mount Rushmore of Chicago Cubs baseball players. Spoiler, I was shocked to find out Henry Rowan Gardner did not make the cut. I have a lot of questions about the movie Rookie of the Year in this podcast, and Cody is a big baseball guy, so he's able to answer some of those and 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 basically justify why Henry Rowan Gardner did not make the cut. I hope you enjoy. So I'm here with Cody Moses, high school social studies teacher at Iowa Falls Alden High School, and uh, he's been here for seven years. So, Cody, tell us a little bit about where you're from and, you know, the family that you grew up in and maybe even your family now. What, what's what's Where are you from? What's your story? Originally, I'm from St. Ansgar, Iowa, which from Iowa Falls, hour and a half northeast or so. Uh, small town, 1,200 people, small 1A school, A school. From St. Ansgar, I graduated in 2007. From St. Ansgar, I went to Waldorf College at the time for four years, got my undergrad in psychology there. From Waldorf, my now wife still had some schooling to do down in Iowa City for physical therapy. She had some grad work to do. So having no clue what I was going to do with a psychology degree, because I hadn't thought that far ahead yet. I made the decision to go with her to Iowa City and uh, continued some of my education actually in the education program at Iowa. Got a few classes kind of checked off the list. And after after about two semesters, I was indoor. I had my all social studies endorsement and started applying for first time jobs out of school. And now we live here in Iowa Falls. We've Lived in the same house now for a few years. We're all settled in there, and we're expecting our first kid in a couple months. So that's exciting. That's very exciting. And, you know, I, I, I love your little story about getting your psych degree and then kind of not knowing what to do. It's, it's uh, I think that's what, you know, everyone always says when you go to college, you're, you're going to get this degree. And, and if you don't know what you're going to do with it, it can be a little daunting when you leave. And it's awesome that you found your passion area and you found a way to use that and, and, and develop a career out of it. So, so psych, I know is one of the classes you teach in addition to American history. Um, so what is it about psychology that drew you to that, that, that field or that content area? Uh, I think the first classes I took at Waldorf, it's a professor that had been there a long time, really no frills. It was honestly chalk on the chalkboard, here are the terms we're going to cover and I'm literally going to write the definitions up on the board. But as I'm writing them, I'm just going to talk. And this lady had so much knowledge about different case studies and she would just throw out bits and pieces of information. And I, I hear them and I'd kind of scribble them down and think I need to go look that up. Uh, And the more you research into psychology, you start to realize how everything is connected and how human behavior has really stayed the same forever. It's just, now we're learning more about what it is specifically that motivates people. And, you know, you translate that to, for example, school, uh, 
kids are motivated mostly the same way now as they were 100 years ago in school. Uh, you might need to dangle the carrot in front of them to get them to do something. You can't you can't talk to them like they're 40 years old and they've been through half of a lifetime because they don't respond to that type of thing. You need to really coax them down the road. And um, I, I don't know. I've always been into in regards to even sociology to group behaviors and why some societies do what they do and random things like why are people so upset if they live in a warm climate? Why are there so many more crimes committed in the South compared to a colder climate? And, you know, you could spend days looking at that stuff and you never might, you might never come up with an answer, but you'll find another avenue to go down. And next thing you know, you're researching something you never intended to look up. So. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, people listening can obviously hear you're really knowledgeable about, you know, psychology, sociology, social studies. And I just want to point out, like, Cody's the guy I go to when I have a question about this stuff, because you're right. If you start to go down the rabbit hole, you can really you can have some great discussion. And I, I know that's evident with the students in your class. They talk about it all the time. So you, you talked about how you grew up in St. Ansgar um, and, and you you know, it's a small school. I'm sure high school, well, all, all of really K through 12 there, um, you were able to be involved in a lot. What was school like for you? What did you dislike? What did you like? What was St. Ansgar like for you? Well, um, to me, school, it was always pretty easy. And looking back on it, I always tell students in my class too, I could have tried a lot harder. Mm -hmm. You know, as I sit here and try to push kids to go the extra mile, I catch myself saying, you know what? I would have been okay with this too. And if a teacher would have said, do this, I'd have said, all right, I'll get to it later and probably never done. Like I get it. School was, I wouldn't say it was a breeze, but I was, I'd go to school every day. I'd get decent grades. My dad was a math teacher. So as long as I did good enough and they could tell I was trying, it was fine. Those uh, teachers, kids, the, the, the teachers, kids, that that's a tough thing to be in. Cause I was a teacher's kid too. And I feel like sometimes our parents are just more concerned that we weren't a problem yes. than that we were really like pushing ourselves. Yes. It was more like, we don't want to hear anything bad. Right. And <laughs> that was probably always the most awkward class I ever took. My dad taught middle school math for 36 years or something like that. So, and of course I was for math and English, I was one grade ahead and that's a whole long story back to elementary. You know, you take those talented and gifted classes and you immediately kind of feel uncomfortable because it's like, I just want to be with my friends. I don't want to leave the room and, and be advanced to grade. But anyway, I'm with my dad for eighth grade math as a seventh grader. And you go through the entire year and you never raise your hand because you don't know, do I call him dad? Probably not. Cause that's embarrassing. Did you ever, did you ever say no. dad? No, I never, <laughs> I never raised my hand. I never participated that whole time mm -hmm. because it was just easier that way. Mm -hmm. um, I just tried to blend in. I don't even know what I got for a grade, but. Um, I, it sounds to me, this is Mr. Moses's way of humble bragging that he was in tag and no, as, he not. was in eighth grade math no. when he was a seventh grader and he doesn't it. even know what grade he got because it was probably really, really good. No, and, I truly hated it because uh, then by the time you get to be a junior in high school in, in St. Ansgar, it was algebra one, two, and three. And then the obvious goal is after algebra three, you take pre-calc and then you take calculus or stat, whatever you're taking. But I was that kid where I got through algebra three. That's good enough. Mm -hmm. I don't want to come to school in the morning and take pre-calc over the ICN room with some of my friends who are very intelligent. I had no motivation to do that. So 
that whole being bumped up in elementary, it came back to get me. And I think it actually hurt more than anything because it was just awkward. I didn't see it being necessary. That's really interesting. And, and I know this, this podcast isn't always about like, it's not about education theory, but you know, speaking as a teacher, talking to another teacher, that's a really interesting idea. That idea of, you know, if we move kids forward too fast, do they get burnt out or do they lose that drive or do they feel defeated and, and um, does it cause anxiety? That's really interesting. But, and like back to motivation though. Psychology, too, right? Yeah, my motivation wasn't in that moment, I'm gonna rock this and get good grades so I can get into a good school. I think as a high school kid, my motivation was, what are my friends doing right now? Yep. You know, why am I not hanging out with them like I should be? So I, what I wanted to do didn't really jive with what I was doing. So I don't know if that's the answer, but no, I'm not bragging. I'm not <laughs> bragging at all. It's, it sounded like a little bit of a brag. I didn't mean it to come But this way. is an episode about you. So yeah. I expected a little bit of bragging and those who know um, Mr. Moses, no, he's 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 very cocky, very arrogant. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. My he's he's super modest, very humble. Um, so let me ask you then, what what when did you know you wanted to be a teacher? And um, you know, you you spoke a little bit about you were not you were at Waldorf, you know, a small college where I think a lot of people at small colleges don't know what they want to do. I, I went to a small college and it felt like everybody was undecided. Um, and then you went to Iowa City and thought of that a little bit more, but when did you feel like I could do this for a job and for a career? So I think even before I went to Waldorf, I think in the back of my head, I knew I should probably just teach because my dad did it forever. His mom taught first grade for over 40 years at Riceville. I, I knew I shouldn't really fight it because it was probably the best place for me. But at the same time, I thought in my head, I'm going to do something different. Uh, I, I've had uh, half brothers and sisters older than me, and they've gone into different fields, you know, medical fields and, and the ag industry. But teaching, I was like, I can, I don't want to say I can always go back and do it, but I thought to myself, psychology is great. You have that vision that you graduate, and people start calling you with job offers, and that's not true but nobody ever really explains that to you as a young kid. So I'd say after I graduated at Waldorf, realized I had no direction on what I was gonna do for work or a career. And, you know, really had to have a tough discussion with my now wife, like, if if she's going to Iowa City, what am I doing? Am I just gonna stay in St. Ansgar, which there's nothing wrong with St. Ansgar, love it there. But if I don't leave now, will I ever go anywhere? And what will I do with that degree in such a small town? So I think having that discussion with her and talking about, you know, I've got these history classes already taken. I've got site classes obviously already checked off the list. Why not just see what Iowa has to offer? I'm most of the way there. I just got to do the education classes. And uh, that's obviously the route we headed. And I think it was a pretty good decision. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, I, I haven't been in your classroom a little bit and speaking with our students and, and, and everybody involved, I think it's clear that you have a gift for this. And, you know, to give that to other people is a really good thing. So um, that's that's a great story. So how about this? Let's move into a little bit more of the true Cody Moses questions. You know, we, 
We talked about your 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 teaching career. We're, we're going to come back to your teaching stuff. But I do want to know, what is it that Cody Moses loves to do in his free time other than home improvement projects? <laughs> I know that you, you are a craftsman. You are, if something needs fixing, call you. You're the guy. But what, what do you like to do with your free time? Let's clear that up. I can hold the tape measure. <laughs> I don't even know if I can read the tape measure, but I can hold it in place. And yep. somebody else will need to do the hard work. Um, what do I like to do in my free time? Uh, sounds bad, but I really enjoy just relaxing and watching TV. Okay. After school, um, go on a walk maybe, but then after that, cook supper and it's what's on TV tonight because I just need to, I, I don't know, I'm not even doing anything. I'm just sitting there watching the screen, scrolling on Facebook or Twitter, seeing what's new in the world, reading up on the news of the day. Um, but outside of the house, I guess, uh, I really enjoy golfing. Used to fish and hunt all the time since we moved down to Iowa Falls. Haven't done that as much as I would like to. Um, but so, know. so I'm not a I'm not a fisherman. I'm not really a hunter. I have lots of friends who do it. What was what was the preferred game that you like to hunt, or um, is there any kind of type of fishing you like to do? Do you like to go out to the lake? Do you like to go out on the river? Do you like to go on um, a big trip? Well, the Cedar River goes right through St. Anskir. And from the time I could ride a bike, my brother and I, if it was summer break and there wasn't baseball practice or baseball game, we would pick up worms when it was dark up or dark at night. We'd load up the fishing poles on our handlebars mm -hmm. and we would ride like a mile and a half down the hill towards the river and we would spend all day there. We'd, That's cool. We'd wade into the river. We'd try out all different methods of fishing. We'd catch crayfish. We'd catch minnows by we'd just spend all day down there in the water uh, so river fishing for sure a lot of smallmouth bass up there which was fun and then the walleye started to bite randomly one year and they were there for a while but hunting what, what year was that was that the that was like 07 or 06 yeah, yeah, like 06, what, a, what a year what a year i know the walleye <laughs> are biting on the mighty cedar river but for hunting it's always pheasants um it's and i think here in a month or so even with the baby being due my brother and I talk. We really need to go back home and hunt with dad again. Uh, my brother's got a new dog. Dad adopted a new dog. So we'll go up there and try that again. Duck hunting's always fun, but mostly pheasants, I guess. So, so pheasant, I, I, like I said, I've never been hunting. I've never gone hunting in my life. And I have a friend, a uh, lifelong childhood friend of mine, Cody Fisher, who um, his, his dad, they'd go hunting. And, and I remember one time I was at his house and his dad said, you want to try some, some pheasant? And I was like, no way. I, I, I will never, you know, that scares me. I don't want to eat that. And then he said, well, we do have chicken. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll have some chicken. And they cook up some chicken. They bring it out. And, you know, I, I'm eating it. I'm like, dang, this chicken's good. And he's like, you like that chicken? I'm like, yeah. And he said, it's pheasant. And you can't tell. I, I didn't, I couldn't tell at all. And I loved it. So, I mean, I haven't, I don't think I've had it since, but if you ever cook up some pheasant and you need I'll, someone to eat it, I'll try it. I'll come clean. I'll <laughs> shoot at the pheasants. And my brother-in-law taught me well from a young age. He said, if you don't want to clean them and you don't want to eat them, you just shoot at them close enough where you scare them and you call that good enough. Yep. Then you don't have to get your hands dirty. <laughs> but if I do if I do shoot one, I know my brother and my dad will eat it. I just, mm -hmm. I don't like eating wild game either. It's, I don't want to bite into a BB or something. Sure. So you said you like to golf. Um, what, what's your handicap? Uh, well, I don't know. Out here at the local course, I think it's three. I don't That's know. pretty good. I don't know how they figure that. I'm sure it's not accurate, but my wife and I, we really enjoy, if we're not golfing here, just 
taking a weekend and for instance a month ago we drove down to the quad cities and played the john deere course for the first time and finding random tournaments to play it's just it's kind of our little getaway and do things outside of town so we don't find ourselves staring at the tv all weekend we can do that all day sunday or whatever we can go golf on saturday who's, who's the better golfer out of you and Allie? Allie is much better than me yeah i knew i knew that i just wanted everyone she's, else in she's the audience solid yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to admit that yeah she's pretty good um so so before we move on you said tv what's your favorite tv show ever oh boy favorite tv show ever okay let's that's a tough on, question we won't i can't say favorite tv show ever but i can rehash my childhood i'll tell you a classic that never got as much publicity as it should have legends of the hidden temple i i remember that show with uh, i don't even remember what the little temple guy's name was but where the kids would run through the thing the obstacle course this is on nickelodeon right Nickel yep. back before disney channel and all that stuff um that was always really good as a kid growing up um Man, favorite TV show. So I asked you your on. favorite TV show, and you bring up a, a 90s game show on Nickelodeon. For kids. For, kids, for children. Because I had high hopes that I'd be on one of those shows. <laughs> but I didn't ever do the work to apply or do anything like that. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many good ones out there. We're we're still binging The Office for like the third time. That's Can't go wrong. never going to get old. Um, if I would throw out any other ones, it would just be because they're newer and we watched them recently. Okay. Um, I really don't know. Yeah, there's there's probably more good TV now than ever before. Not not to say that TV shows in the past weren't good. It's just there's so much content available. I don't know how you even like you, how you you know comb through it. There's just you could literally go on Netflix and spend two hours figuring out what to watch um, without even watching anything. Um, so I won't knock you for not knowing that because I don't think I could answer that question I can't right believe now. I answered Legends of the Hidden Temple. Legends of the Hidden Temple. If you haven't seen it, folks, YouTube it, find it, send it to Cody Moses, email him at kmoses at ifacadets.net. Um, so I'm going to go into the next category, the next question. It's a category. It's, it's one we do with every guest. It's called Mount Rushmore. So for those of you who don't know, a Mount Rushmore list is a list of an all-time grouping of either a really prominent uh, group of things or important or special or best, however you want to categorize it. It's not a ranking. It's not a one through four. It's a group of four that would be considered the all-time best. And your Mount Rushmore, Cody, is because I know you're a huge Chicago Cubs fan. Your Mount Rushmore is Chicago Cubs baseball players. Okay, uh, we'll start, we'll get this one out of the way first. I know, maybe he never admitted it, and I, yeah, remember vividly where I was when his bat broke and I could see the cork in the middle of it when the umpire picked I know he cheated. I get it. Everybody did back then, but that doesn't excuse it. But what Sammy Sosa was able to do when we were like 10 years old, as a Cubs fan growing up when they were terrible, um, they got shut out again today, I saw. But Sammy Sosa hitting all those home runs, whether he was on steroids or not, was very impressive. And it at least, I think, grew the game quite a bit and drew people back in. It was, a, it was a bright light. Like yeah. you just said, the Cubs weren't very good. It was a, it was a bright light in the Cubs organization. Yes. Yep. That doesn't excuse the performance enhancing drugs, but mm -hmm. whatever. He's on there. For sure. Has to be. Um, the the uh, the next one, Ron Santo, 
I have no idea who. Yeah, it would be. I was gonna like, say. I knew Sammy Sosa would be like one of the few Cubs players. Maybe someone recently. I have no idea who but, you're talking about. But I've got reasons for it. First of all, Ron Santo. He was a great third baseman the way it was um, back in God, late '60s, probably I, I believe. Good baseball player, but then he goes on. He's got lots of health complications, being the radio guy for the Cubs forever. He passed away a couple of years ago, but. I guess why I picked him is growing up, the reason why I like the Cubs so much is my grandpa was a Cubs fan. And grandpa, he didn't have cable. He didn't want cable. He always listened to the radio. So going over to Riceville and visiting grandpa, he always had Ron Santo on the radio. So even though statistically uh, Ron Santo isn't maybe top 10 or even top 20, I don't know where he stands on all these categories, but I guess his contributions to the Cubs even after he retired um, heck, the guy had, he told a story once where he was going through a, a, a diabetic episode and he talked about how he was standing there in the box and he, he couldn't see the picture. Mm -hmm. His eyes were so blurry and just forging through those challenges and trying to overcome them um, kind of gives you respect for that guy. Uh, and you can, in my mind, you can definitely be part of the Cubs legacy and not and, and like I said, it's a Mount Rushmore. It's not a best order, yeah. and so I think to include someone like 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 what was his name? Ron Santo. Ron Santo. That's that's a that's a great story as to why he's on the list. Uh, and then the other two I think would be on a lot of folks' lists as well. Um, first of all, I know Greg Maddox. A lot of people saw him a lot with the Braves, but young guy coming up with the Cubs, and then he kind of finishes his tail end of the career with the Cubs, just the way he pitched, knowing he wasn't going to throw a fastball past anybody, but he was willing to nibble on the corners and he was willing to throw the pitches that broke a little bit one way or the other. And they were still fastballs, but he would cut them and he would, he would throw two seams and just the way he went about pitching, he was kind of a magician in that way. He was a true pitcher instead of, I sound old, but all the, all the <laughs> new guys, mm -hmm. you know, they just all try to throw 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And if you can hit it, great. If you can't, it's because I threw it by you. Um, Greg Maddox was not that. And then the last one, Kerry Wood, who, if you don't know, his rookie year, it was like May of 98. Again, kind of those formative years for me since I was 10. Strikes out 20 Astros hitters. When nobody, they knew Kerry Wood was going to be good, but he was wild. He walked a ton of guys. It was just unheard of that he could strike out that many people in one game and tie a, a major league record that still hasn't been broken. I think the record is still 20 by multiple guys. But I remember going home from school that day and catching the tail end of it and watching those last few Astros strike out. And, um, and then Kerry Wood goes on to be pretty successful for the Cubs and um, had a pretty good career. So. I was, Those are my four. I was a little surprised you didn't include Henry Rowan Gardner. Henry Rowan Gardner. As a pitcher, I thought for sure you would include include maybe the best, probably the best fictional pitcher in all of baseball movie history. That is one of um, the most underrated movies of all time. How so, can a guy break his arm yep. as a teenager and then wake up and he's – pitching for the Cubs. So for those who don't know, we're talking about Rookie of the Year, the great Disney film. Um, I had never seen that movie until this spring in quarantine. Uh, I watched it with my daughter, Mia, and the entire time I was texting you and I was saying like, I can't believe they're letting Henry Rowan Gardner go up to bat right now. And then you reminded me, designated hitter was not a position. So if you were a pitcher, yeah, you had to hit. 
And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to risk the franchise. Like, they have a chance to qualify for the playoffs, and they're going to throw him out there. Oh, my goodness. It was it – was, and, and like I said, this is probably a movie you saw at a really oh, young age. All the time. That and Little Big League with the Twins. Yes, exactly. And, and so I think one thing that's cool about the Cubs fans I know, and I'm not a big – like, I love watching baseball, but I love watching, like, our high school teams play, which you, you're a high school baseball coach as well. I don't really have a favorite team. But I have friends who like love the Cubs or love the Twins. And the, the thing that's so cool for the Cubs fans is there were so many years where it wasn't good, you know, in your life, you know, probably. But I can remember I was actually with you when the, the Cubs won the 2016 World Series. Yeah. And the, the, the happiness I saw from you, I, I'm assuming it will never happen again no. until your child is born, maybe. Sure. I, yes. I was good. I was yes. wanted to save you there. Yes. Yes. Uh, when baby Moses. Uh, makes his or her debut in November. Um, that's probably the a similar type of feeling. But you know, you could tell that there had been a lot of years of not, not, not as many wins, and um, to see that happen for all those Cubs fans was really cool. Because the, the baseball is better when the Cubs are good, you know. And you know, I I didn't watch the Cubs a whole lot growing up, but I can remember they were always on WGN. So if you wanted to watch baseball, that was it. The Cubs were on TV, and so. They probably gained a lot of fans just from that. So definitely, that definitely something I want to talk about. You're one of the biggest Cubs fans I know. Um, it was happy. I was happy to see you in a good mood during the 2016 World Series, and not disappointed. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, I don't. I haven't even watched any of the games since, to be honest. No, they've been <laughs> going to end on a high note. They've been no, not like the current games. I mean, highlights oh, okay. of that season. Mm -hmm. They've been played over and over. I just can't make myself go back and watch them i've seen highlights of the last game seven but you know what we'll just leave it where it was yeah i remember where i was when all those games were played i remember the games that they didn't win and thinking to myself what did i do different today <laughs> to cause them to lose why did i wear those socks today and i should not have worn those now the cubs are gonna screw up in the know. words of michael scott from the office you're not superstitious you're a little stitious <laughs> but not superstitious um so, you know, we were talking about a little bit, you coach high school baseball as well. How has that been, you know, returning to the baseball diamond? You yeah. were, for those who don't know, Cody was a very good uh, pitcher in high school and college. And, uh, you know, just recently got involved with coaching with the high school, high school boys baseball team. Um, and, uh, you know, what's that been like to be able to, to work in the school in a different way? I really like it because, like you said, you're back on the field again and, you probably know with basketball too, you get done playing as a senior and your coaches tell you throughout that senior year, take advantage of it, take advantage of it because you don't know when it's going to be over. And then it is done. And at some point it hits you and it's like, wow, now what? You know, that was the best time I've ever had in my life. What am I going to do though? Because I won't get to go play again. And, you know, not, to get back on the field, just in a coaching, um, on, on the coaching side of things, I did it after high school back in St. Ansker for a couple of years, two or three years, um, and and to use some of the knowledge I have and have gained throughout um, my lifetime playing. And you know, even if the wins and losses at this point aren't dictating it, just teaching kids what playing good baseball looks like and knowing it doesn't happen overnight, but just the, the baseball IQ stuff, I think to me is fun to teach, you know, why, 
why don't we want to make the third out at third base or the first out at third base? Or why is it that we as hitters, if the first two guys make an out on the first pitch, why is it that we automatically, no matter what, take a pitch? You know, and those are the things that with a little bit of time, you add them all together and those those make a good baseball team. It's not always the athleticism. It's not always how hard can you throw the ball. It's you can be the smarter team. And you impart some of that knowledge on young kids and you see the light bulb go off and you see them put it together. It's it's really rewarding, I yeah. guess. And that's cool that, that you're able to do that because baseball, there's there's such a I don't I don't want to use the wrong word here. There's like a there's like a mystique about the game. Like it's a different type of game, you know, like football is it, there's a whole day devoted to football, you know, Sundays and, you know, obviously super popular. And it's like these people that's like gladiators on the field, basketball. There's so many games and big markets and players dominate, you know, teams are almost an afterthought, but baseball, there's a purity to the game. It's, it's called America's pastime for a reason. And, and I think what you said about, you know, teaching the game, that's something that doesn't happen as much. You know, kids don't watch baseball with their dads as much and, and ask them, um, wh- why did they do that there? And, you know, sometimes you'll be at my house and we watch a baseball game and, and I'll ask you, like, why did they do that there? Because I, I don't know. I didn't play baseball. I love watching it. But um, I think that's one of the cool things about the game is, you know, you don't have to be 6'10 to be a good baseball player. You don't have to run a 4'440 to be a good baseball player. You got to have skill. It's probably one of the most skill heavy sports there is. And you got to have smarts. Yeah. And so it's always it's cool what you're saying about, you know, teaching the game to kids. And the, the fact that you can give that to, to our kids at our school is pretty awesome. And, you know, looking back, even when I was in early elementary school, there wasn't a day in the summer where our friends didn't get together and just play a pickup game. You should have mm-hmm. seen our front yard. We had dirt paths in the shape of a diamond. And yeah, I'm sure if you're my mom or my dad, you're like, our yard looks terrible. But at the same time, they were never going to say, hey, quit playing baseball because it's either go outside and play with your friends or you're sitting inside. Again, I sound old playing video games. We are old. And and I think my parents realized early on, hey, these kids are having fun. They're picking up on the game, even if they're just using tennis balls and they're lobbing the ball in there and they're using a sidewalk in the old lady's front yard across the street as the wall, that's that's a home run and power line means something else. Like just making it fun is, is, you know, looking back on it, what helped us find success. We weren't the best athletes in high school. We were just a bunch of guys who knew what we were doing and it, it paid off. So let's get back to you as a teacher a little bit. Um, what would be your favorite class or lesson to teach as a high school social studies teacher? We, we talked to teach American history, uh, psychology, you've dabbled in some other things. What would be your favorite class or lesson to teach? I think it's it's a little bit of a combination about the same topic. And I think this, the topic I enjoy talking about most with our kids, even though it doesn't necessarily fit, well, it does fit anyway, presidential elections. Looking back through the years, who won and by what margin and why they won, even if it's initially just surface level, looking at an electoral map and having that conversation about what is the electoral college, why did these states side with this guy versus that guy, um, learning about voting procedures in this country too, how we in America have done our darndest for years and years and years at almost trying to, whether it's on purpose or 
sort of implicitly prevent certain people from voting or making it hard to vote and why that is. We just last week looked at a voter literacy test from Louisiana and I didn't tell the kids it was a literacy test. It just looked like a sheet of 30 riddles that they had to do. And I told them, you've got 10 minutes, you can't make a mistake and you can't erase anything. And at the end of it, we're going through what the right answers might be. And they're answers that I could say it's right. You could look at it and say, no, I'm pretty sure I'm right. But that was the point. The point was in Louisiana, I think it was 1903, if you were an African-American voter, you weren't gonna vote because you couldn't pass that test. And at the time that's legal, that was legal. These individual cities, counties, they could set up those tests as a way to say, sorry, you're not qualified. And if it wasn't an impossible test, it was a poll tax that said, hey, do you have your, your tax money to pay us before we can get you to, well, no, I can't, I don't, I don't, I can't afford that. Why can't I just vote? Well, because you can't pay the poll tax. And things like that have a direct connection to the world today with different voter suppression type things and whether we should be making it easier to vote and not harder. And I know I'm getting off task or off topic, but just that voter literacy test showing how difficult it's been through the years and maybe why it's important now to take advantage of our opportunity to vote if you truly care about you know our country. But along that same line with voting, I think my favorite experience teaching history so far is in 2016, um, going into it, I didn't think the kids would have much interest in following the election. And we started at the end of October, really crunching some numbers, looking at Hardin County specifically and which way it had gone in the last however many elections. We looked at all of the different seats up for grabs in the house and um, different Senate seats open. And I had kids start making predictions, you know, in the same way that you'd make a March Madness bracket. I was like, all right, here's your spreadsheet. You can click from the drop down. You can have your final, I guess, predictions laid out. We're going to keep track of, of who did the best. And then you're also going to fill out your own electoral map. Is Texas going to go for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? What's Iowa going to do? And they're going to have their final tally figured out. And I told them, you know, if you want to come watch the election results on the night of, we'll set up in the student center and we'll order some pizza. And I thought it was going to be me and like, five kids. Wasn't it crowded? And it was crowded <laughs> and the newspaper came and uh, I found out one of the foreign exchange students was following with her friends from Brazil, I believe. Wow. And I don't know what happened. I never got the full details of the story, but somehow she lost money. She bet her friends that, oh, wow. that Hillary was going to win and she didn't. So she tried to tell me she lost $80 of Brazilian money. I don't know what sort of event I was running, if it was some gambling operation or what. But wow. Looking back on it, just seeing the kids involved and excited about politics, you would have never, if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year that was going to happen, I would have thought you were a liar. Well, what's really cool about that is it's history, but it's also uh, something that's going to be like the, the lesson you're talking about is something that they are using in their real lives. They're learning about trends and um, you know, you talked about voter suppression and and understanding how powerful your vote is. I think that that type of lesson is so cool because we always hear from people outside of education. When are we going to use this in real life? And that's a great question. That is a valid question. And if we're if we're not thinking about that, then what are we thinking about? And so, you know, for you as a history teacher, that's a way that you probably have been able to evolve. You know, as history teachers, we had, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, it was probably, this is the date, 
this is the event, what happened? Well, now we can search for those things. So that's a cool lesson because it's not only teaching them history, but it's also teaching them real life skills and the real world importance of civic literacy, yep. which is really sweet. Yep. Um, so let me ask you this. I, I end every podcast with this question. Um, when we think about teaching, we know that teaching is such a tough job. It, it, it takes up a lot of time. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons that, that, that this job can be tough, but there's a lot of reasons we do it. There's good reasons. There's every teacher's got their why, their reason why they teach. What is Cody Moses's why? Think, you know, if you eliminate all the academic expectations and you eliminate the lesson planning and you take out all the other things that go along with really any career, you can always pick out certain things that you might really agree with or disagree with or drive you nuts or things that you really love. I think the why is you realize even as a first, second year teacher that the, I don't want to call it power. It's not like you have authority, but you have the ability, I guess, to teach kids how to be good people. Um, love that. If at the very least you're being a good role model and they're seeing an educator who teaches to them making good decisions and being a good person, I guess you just hope that that lends itself to them being a good person with their friends. You, you know, kind of got made fun of my first couple of years here. The kids are like, you tell us to be nice a lot. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Just be nice. Quit, quit being mean to each other. And if you're nice people, the world goes around. It's when you start being mean and nasty that life gets tough and then coming to work feels miserable or hanging out with your friends is miserable because you got all that extra stuff going on. Just, just be good. Yeah. Be polite. And I think, um, you know, what you just said about teaching kids to be good people, you know, to be a good person. That's when you start to realize our job, what we do, it's a pretty weighty responsibility. And, you know, it, it matters a lot that we're, that we're doing the right things. And, and so I think that's such a cool thing, you know, teachers are real life superheroes and we may not always get viewed that way, but we're, we're really here for the, all of our kids to, to give the best experience possible to them so that they can come out of here one day as a senior with their diploma, but also to be a better person. And that's really cool to think about. And in the moment, you might not feel it that day. You might not feel like you did a good job and the kids might look at you like that was a boring lesson or this or that, but you just hope 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you look back, you're like, Hey, I did a pretty good job. And isn't the coolest thing when a kid graduates yeah. and then you see him again and yeah. And even if it's, it might be something like, I remember the lesson on the election. That was cool. Or, you know, I really liked being in your class. You know, I, it was a, a teacher I had in college, a professor I had in college that she said, you know, they, they won't remember any of the lessons, but they will always remember how you made them, made, you made a student feel. Um, and I, I think we try to live by that, you know, every day with what we do. And, and I know that, you know, you're definitely a teacher, Cody, at our school who, um, the kids feel that way. So that's really great to, to, to have the, those experiences for our students. So um, anything else you want to add? No, I think this has been a good time. I, I've enjoyed it. Should do more of these. Absolutely. If you guys see Cody Moses walking down the street and you have a question about home improvement projects or um, anything like that, I'll probably make you. sure you ask his wife, Allie, because yes. she will know the answers. All right. Thanks, Cody, for coming All on right. the podcast today. Yeah.